you've come to the right place if you're looking to create, launch, and scale a high-value online training program. I'm your guide, Chris Badgett. I'm the co-founder of Lifter LMS, the most powerful learning management system for WordPress. Stay to the end. I've got something special for you. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. My name is Chris Badgett and I'm joined by a special guest. Her name is Leslie Sim. She's from Newsletter Glue. You can find that at newslettergluecom uh, It's a really cool innovation in WordPress that shows that allows you to publish your newsletter directly inside WordPress, which is really fascinating as for content creators and people trying to kind of put as much as they can in WordPress. But before we go any deeper, Leslie, welcome to the show. Hey, Chris. Thanks so much for having me on. I've yeah. been an admirer of your stuff from afar, so it's super cool to get on the show. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, well, we've been doing this for a while. I appreciate it. Been, uh, this podcast is uh, about over seven years. So, uh, oh, wow. Uh, I'm not sure you're somewhere around episode 400, so pre- appreciate that. Um, you know, for somebody, I, f- I first became fascinated with this idea that you could publish a piece of content and anybody anywhere in the world with an internet connection could kind of see that. And that's kind of how I fell in love with WordPress. But within all that, when you start becoming a creator, as it's known now, uh, you know, pretty much anybody would say like, you need to have an email list. You need to have a way to keep in touch with people. You need to communicate with people via a newsletter. Um, tell us about, and a lot of people, you know, they think of things like MailChimp and active campaign. Um, and as somebody myself who tries to do everything you can inside WordPress for a learning management system, that newsletter piece has always been a little bit elusive. So can you tell us that story of how you got decided to work on the problem of getting newsletter, but keep it in WordPress? And how does it work at a high level too? Just so people who haven't heard of it know. Uh, Yeah, so I should probably start with the high level bit first. So newsletter glue, um, I like to think of us as doing two things well. So the first is halving your publishing time. So in the sense that because you're publishing in WordPress only, you don't have to publish in WordPress and then hop over to MailChimp, republish, you know, re-upload all your images, check everything, make sure it's fine, and then send it out again. So like doing that, that thing twice is always a pain. And so um, what, we, what we let you do is do everything in WordPress using the block editor. So you're already familiar with the block editor. Um, you've already written your blog post. And if you want, you can just hit publish on that blog post and that sends it out to your newsletter subscribers as well. Um, so that halves your publishing time. Then the other thing that, um, that we do really well is double your distribution. So you know, if you're only writing newsletters, then you, all your content that you spent ages writing is going to be stuck read once in a subscriber's inbox. Um, when you write with newsletter glue, your newsletters or your emails are work exactly like a blog post. So like your blog archive is live and on your site, it's easy to share, it's easy to discover. Um, and so your newsletters get kind of that second life on your blog post. Um, so that's kind of like the 
the way that I like to describe it, the two things. So like half your publishing time and double your distribution or double your reach. Um, so that's what the plugin does. Uh, how we came about it is a, obviously a longer story. Um, we actually started as a membership plugin. My co-founder had built the membership plugin and that's kind of his um, area of expertise. He's kind of built membership plugins for the past almost decade now. Um, and he started off by himself wanting to build a membership plugin and like take all the learnings that he had, um, the hard-won learnings and turn that into his own membership plugin. Um, and then he kind of uh, did the classic thing of not, um, you know, not marketing and just building, not validating all, all of the stuff that we know that we shouldn't do. Um, and obviously he found it hard to get the plugin off the ground. And that's when I came in, we teamed up um, and I tried to get the, the plugin off the ground, but it was um, really difficult. I think the membership space is super mature and um, we hadn't done a good enough job building um, building an audience from day one. Um, so it was just difficult. And while we were building that membership plugin, we built an add-on to the plugin that let us send newsletters um, from, from blog posts. And at the time it was a tiny add-on, um, but it was something that I wanted to build because I was super into newsletters and, um, and yeah, I wanted to use it for myself. Actually, it was just kind of like a selfish thing. So we, we built that like really, really quickly, less than a week. Um, and meanwhile, the membership plugin itself wasn't doing really well. And so we decided to shut it down. But, and I wasn't sad about seeing the membership plugin go, but I realized I was sad about seeing that specific add-on go uh, because I realized that there wasn't any obvious replacement for that add-on. And then I realized, you know, like we found it really hard to get traction in the membership space. It was really crowded, um, lots of really, really great players there already. But, you know, in contrast, there wasn't anyone doing this thing that, that I really valued. And so maybe we could do that instead. Um, so we pivoted and kind of built out that add-on into a full-blown plugin and uh, launched that on the directory. And it did better from day one. Um, and yeah, the rest is history, I guess. Although it's, yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I got to nerd out with you a little bit because I'm an old school nerd. Um, uh, so, so there was this concept of an RSS reader, which would kind of take blog posts and you could do it. I never actually personally got into RSS, even though I love content and I was, I just didn't really use that RSS reader idea. And, um, and I find like working with something like MailChimp or, uh, some of the others where they have like this RSS kind of automated campaign thing, it's all right, but you don't really have much control. It either does the excerpt or the full post and it just, uh, it's and good. You don't know which version is. of the post is going to send out. It's kind of scary exactly. because you've had test. <laughs> yeah. But so, so tell me more about newsletter glue versus a typical RSS campaign. How are they different? Um, so firstly, I really love RSS. I grew up um, in that RSS read era um, before before uh, Google Reader. I can't remember what the reader I used to use was, Speed but burner or it was something? really 
uh, it wasn't feed burner, it was like block lines, I think. Okay. Something like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I like had this like perfectly curated feed of hundreds of blogs. So I really love RSS. Which, which for somebody that's um, listening, it's kind of like uh, you're not even like opting into anything. You're just kind of subscribing to their posts via this thing that just sucks them in kind of. Uh, I guess it okay. So like the thing that people might recognize now would be podcasts. So podcasts yeah. still use RSS technology. Okay. So um, you know whether you're using Spotify or Pocket Casts um, or whatever player, like you're grabbing the RSS feed and putting it into your player, and so like on your podcast player, you can listen to all your different podcasts. And so that's exactly how RSS works because that is exactly RSS. Um. Site, site nerdy track. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I really like RSS. Um, I like receiving RSS emails, but I find it scary to send them myself just because of the reasons that I mentioned before. Like, you're not sure which, like if you're editing, your, if you've published a post and then you notice a typo, it's easy to um, edit it and then, you know, update it. And all of that can happen on a blog post and you're not sure at which point the RSS is going to capture your blog post and send it out to, um, to your audience. So that part has always kind of scared me. Like I want to be able to test and see every email that I send out before I send it out to my um, subscriber list. So I think for me, that's kind of the main uh, issue that I have with RSS and then also like you mentioned like sometimes the you know what it grabs can be a bit buggy like you're not sure if it's going to grab the title or the excerpt or you know the top 10 words in a post um, stuff like that so for me I always want to test all of that out first um, so that would be my reason my kind of like uh, reason not to use RSS in contrast with new set of glue so like with us, you know, it's just a blog post and you decide when you want to toggle on the Sender's newsletter switch and that causes you to send out your newsletter when you publish the post. Um, and you can te send test emails beforehand. You can send, you know, if you want to publish a post only to a segment that's just yourself so that you can send an email campaign to yourself and, you know, see it exactly how your subscribers will see it, you can do all of that. Um, and that just kind of gives you more peace of mind, I guess. And the incremental amount of work is the difference. Be it's like one click more in comparison to an RSS feed, which is no clicks because you set it up and it just kind of sends out automatically. So I would say like the peace of mind versus the time saved, like it's a good trade-off because it's just one click. That's cool. Help us think about the difference between um, like a blog post and a newsletter. Like, so what if we're, I could see different scenarios. Like some people just want every time they punish, publish a blog post, they want it to go out as a newsletter kind of by checking the box. Other times you might just want to send a newsletter that's kind of different from your blog post. Maybe it includes like some other types of content, links to cool things you found on the internet or whatever. How do we differentiate the concept of a newsletter versus a blog post in our mind? Um, so I think you've kind of nailed it. The blog post tends to be a specific um, post, whereas 
a lot of newsletters, like on top of the specific post, you might have a list of links, you might have a footer, um, you know, asking you to share stuff or like even, um, you know, a special call out with like a coupon or something for subscribers only, all that kind of stuff. Um, so that was something that we took into consideration with our plugin as well. And so we have this sh uh, show height container block and you can put stuff specifically, like you can decide like anything that's in there can be either shown to your blog post and not your newsletter or vice versa. Okay. And so um, let me give you an example both ways. So like something that you might want shown on your blog post that's not shown on your newsletter would be a subscriber form because obviously you don't want a form on your newsletter. That's just weird. Um, and so you would you know, toggle that on for showing blog posts and toggle it off on newsletter. And then in contrast, um, stuff like metadata, you might want to show in your newsletter. So like the reading time and like the view online link. Um, so you might want that to show in your newsletter, but obviously if you're already online, it doesn't make sense to see a view online link. And so you would toggle that on for your newsletter and toggle that off for your blog post. Um, and then obviously, like I mentioned before, something like a coupon code or something for subscribers only, um, you could you know share that only with your email list and have that hidden from the blog post. That's so awesome. all that's like super easy to do. And we um, let you do it in patterns as well. So that you can create a pattern template and just kind of paste it in there from the start. And so you don't have to constantly be rebuilding every newsletter from scratch. I love that. And once you find a template that works, it's so much easier to create content because you just kind of fill in the blanks. And I've noticed really recently, and I'm sure you have too, it's almost like the newsletter is having a rebirth and companies like Substack are becoming popular. Journalists are sometimes, there's like a trend of them leaving major media and going out on their own and publishing their own newsletter. Um, what's the case for WordPress versus like a, a dedicated newsletter platform like Substack? So we actually get a lot of customers who graduate from Substack looking for something more customized. Um, and then they come over to WordPress and us. But so, so I guess like that would kind of be how I look at it. Um, actually, I'm on Twitter all the time telling people to start with Substack. Um, like, you know, people who are, just starting out with their newsletter writing journey, um, I actually think Substack or Review are way easier to use tools that you can get up and running in five minutes. Um, and yeah, so like I actually think that you should write your first 20 newsletter issues on Substack. Decide if you like it or hate it and then decide what you want to do with your tech stack and nerd out after that. Um, but if you haven't written your first 20 posts or issues, don't think too much about your tech stack and just do use the platform that gets you started the quickest, and that would be Substack. Unless of, unless, of course, you're already a WordPress nerd, in which case you should probably use us because it will be easier to get started with us than with Substack. Um, but for you know someone who's coming in, uh, totally new, not technical at all, then I think Substack would be the easier uh, way to go. And then obviously, if you're seeing success, 
Uh, if you have a paid newsletter and you're earning money from it, and Substack takes a 10% fee off of every um, subscription. And so that gets expensive fast if you are making, I don't know, anything, anything beyond a thousand bucks, you know, pretty much it becomes expensive to stay on Substack. So that's kind of when we start to see people graduate from Substack onto platforms like ours. Uh, and then they hire agencies to build out, you know, really fancy custom membership sites, newsletter sites for them. And so that's kind of the piece of the puzzle where we fit in. Uh, so, yeah. That's cool. Um, walk us through. One of the other things that really fascinates me about newsletter glue is uh, you're basically removing a lot of friction between the opt-in and the delivery and everything. It's all just kind of together. So tell us more, like you also do the subscriber form. Like you don't, like a lot of people will use something like a form plugin, like Gravity Forms or Formidable or Ninja Forms, WP Forms to kind of create an opt-in and then send the data somewhere else. But this is all like fully integrated on your site. I know you have a feature too called groups and segments, which like once people start getting people, they want to like kind of put them in different buckets and things like that. Walk us through the experience of, you know, kind of connecting it all together from the opt-in form to getting them on the list to getting them kind of separating them out in different ways. Uh, so, so we actually don't do the group and segment stuff. Okay. Um, we just kind of let the email service provider like MailChimp handle all of that stuff. And so on our, on our end, we provide a simple subscriber form um, because not everyone wants, not everyone already has, you know, Ninja Forms or Gravity Forms set up. And so for, for those people, getting started with us is really easy because uh, it's all integrated, like you mentioned. Um, yeah, and then so I guess we connect with email service providers. Uh, I think we connect with 11 right now. Um, so all, all, all the big ones, uh, MailChimp, MailerLite, I'm not going to go through them all because uh, then it'll just be me sitting here listing stuff. Um, so we connect to them and then we, the subscriber form is already integrated and then it just kind of sends the information off to them to manage the subscriber list. Um, and then when it comes time to writing and publishing your newsletter, you can pull out those same segments that you've, created in your MailChimp and captured through our forms. And then you can send off your newsletter. That's awesome. I'm not sure that, if that was too confusing. No, I, I followed you. That Help me understand because <laughs> you were getting into my next question, which was the whole sending, actual sending of the email. So, um, I mean, the WordPress, WordPress website can send an email, um, but, but that's kind of has its own issues. You're saying like, with newsletter glue, it it still leverages something like Mailchimp to actual deliver the email. What are what are some of the other ones? You mentioned MailerLite, Mailchimp. I know you said you didn't want to list them, but uh, I'm just curious because if somebody's already you, if somebody's already using these things, getting like basically you're also being able to build off your site with the block editor you're familiar with, and that's some instead of some weird like third party kind of uh, email builder, which to me solves a lot of problem. Like you said, having to do the work twice in both places and stuff. So tell us more just about how it, 
you you do the newsletter, the creation of the content, but then this other service sends it. Um, yeah, so that that might change like in the years to come. Um, I you know never say never, but for now, what we want to do is focus on the email building side of things and make that really powerful um, because I think that's where WordPress really excels. In contrast, WordPress obviously doesn't excel in deliverability because that's just not what it's built for, right? And so um, I want to leave you know, things like email deliverability to the pros who focus on that and who have you know, multi-million, billion-dollar empires based on that. Right. Um, and you know, most of those guys, uh, those email service providers, they are excellent with email deliverability, but they have really clunky, slow email builders, which are really frustrating to use. Um, so I, I think like for us, that's kind of where the trade-off is. Uh, we're a small team. So trying to do it all and not do anything well is not really what I want to do. Um, I'd rather focus on the stuff that we really excel in and WordPress really excels in, um, which is, yeah, the email building side of things. That's awesome. Yeah, I totally agree with you. The the WordPress is like a content creator is awesome. Like I recently subscribed to a newsletter called Morning Brew. I don't know if you've heard of it, but uh, I've, I've just been kind of diagnosing it in my mind, like how they kind of structure their content. And I think like a WordPress person, I'm like, that's cool. It's The structure matters. I mean, they're conveying a lot of information. It's it's highly scannable. There's visuals in the right places. Like trying to build that inside of Active Campaign or Mailchimp or something just sounds hard. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, we have we have customers who have uh, who build Morning Brew lookalikes using okay. us, and it it looks super cool. Nice. Like I try to subscribe to my subscribe uh, my customers newsletters and I'm always like kind of like yes this is so cool or I'm like learning new things about what what can be done um, and I just kind of like receiving newsletters anyway so yeah so that, it's always fun what are some like general newsletter tips you mentioned um, like kind of having uh, read time and certain things like how can someone like kind of conceptualize a good structure or pattern that to kind of model and, and let's say they're an expert and they're kind of used to writing blog posts, but what else can they do? What else can they put in a newsletter? Um, so my favorite is Dense Discovery. Let me just make sure I get the link right. Have you heard of that before? Is that like a term, like Dense Discovery? Uh, no, they're a newsletter. Oh, I haven't heard of that. Yeah, it's DenseDiscovery.com. <laughs> say it one more time. Dense, D-E-N-S-E, mm -hmm. discovery.com. Cool. And so um, this is like by far my favorite newsletter. I love the content. I love you know the themes that the author writes about. And uh, most importantly for this topic, this conversation, um, I love the design of it. Everything is super well-structured and it's uh, really nice. And uh, the interesting thing is he's kind of added new um, parts, new sections of the newsletter over time. So the if you look at the latest one, you can see like many sections. Um, and if you go back a year, you'll see fewer and go back a year again, you'll see even fewer. Um, and each section is so well thought through. It's super clear. It's, mm, it's well labeled. 
you always know what it is and it's you don't get lost in his newsletter. Whereas I think a lot of other people, it's easy to get lost in their newsletter because they don't clearly define the sections. Um, so uh, the I, I would say like this is the newsletter, like my kind of, the newsletter that I put on a pedestal and like my inspiration, the thing that I would say to people who are trying to build their own newsletters is not to copy him because this newsletter has is like multiple years old and he's added to it over time. And so if you're starting out, you probably shouldn't have such a complex newsletter because um, firstly, you'll go crazy trying to curate it. Um, but secondly, it's not that easy to format such a long newsletter. Um, so in contrast, I'm going to direct you to one of my newsletters. Um, that's called enough.pizza. And so what you'll see, um, I don't know, Chris, if you want me to send you uh, an email, I mean, yeah, an email preview. Sure. Because what you see on the site is not going to be what people receive. And while you're pulling that up, just where I'm going to go next is getting into the ideas of monetizing a newsletter versus free newsletter. Any thoughts or ideas or how to on that? But I'm pulling up this link and we'll put it in the show notes as well. So enough.pizza. We're looking at um, indulgence. Yep. So is that, is that like a core concept for this issue? Um, so, so this... This newsletter, uh, it's kind of just a tiny site project that I have. And each week I share uh, a single piece of content or a single thought around the concept of having enough. Um, oh, nice. Being like content with what you have. Um, yeah. And I try to keep like the time frame for me working on it to half an hour. So it's, you know, I don't write too long and I don't try to make things overly complicated for myself. Sometimes it's just uh, a single article that I found and I just kind of throw it in there and send it out. Um, and people actually like it because it's so short and it becomes easy to consume. Um, in contrast, there are a lot of Substack writers who write really awesome newsletters, but they write you know 2,000 words and they send it to you in an email and it's just hard to read, even if it's you know a Pulitzer Prize winning author. Um, I have to ask, so I, I'm also super yeah. curious in this topic of enough. I, that's like, <laughs> I love that actually. And uh, thanks. how did you end up on focusing on that kind of core idea? It is an important idea for our time, but how did you get there? Like, what's the story? Uh, I don't know. I can say that Dense Discovery was probably a big inspiration for that. Um, so the author of that, Kai, he writes a lot about this topic as well. Um, and I guess I've been influenced. I also read um, this book by Jason Hickel um, called Degrowth. And that was a big influence as well. Um, What's and, the premise of yeah, Degrowth? So, ooh, uh, it's, I'm going to get this wrong. And so I'm like scared <laughs> to try to try to talk about it. 
very broadly speaking, it kind of challenges the idea that the economy needs to constantly be growing um, in order to succeed. So things like GDP, for example, um, is premised on growth. Like it's not okay if GDP stalls, right? Like the marker for success of a, of a country is the growth of its GDP, which um, is bad because resources are finite and you quickly run into trouble trying to grow infinitely in a finite world. Um, and so that's kind of the problem that degrowth tries to address. And um, I'd say that its proposed solutions are not as strong as its definition of the problems. Um, but broadly speaking, its proposed solutions is to come up with a different metric for success. Um, so rather than GDP, I think it was, I, I don't even know what, but like something that better um, takes externalities into consideration. Um, and I think it also kind of tries to get people to consume less, so like actively degrow the economy. Um, but it, yeah, it doesn't really kind of, to me at least, I'm sure there are a bunch of people out there who are way smarter than me who talk and think about this stuff all the time who can give you a more coherent answer. But like, to me, it kind of breaks down because it doesn't really provide a clear picture of what the world will be like if we kind of, instead of like escalate upwards, keep escalating downwards. Like, I feel like that would also be a bad thing. Um, so like, that's not that clear to me. Um, but yeah, that's my super brief summary on <laughs> degrowth. That's awesome. Um, well, let's talk about monetization. I'm thinking about the experts out there. Maybe they want to have like a free newsletter to kind of build their email list and add value to free and people and earn trust and, you know, kind of flex their expert muscles by doing the reps of newsletter creation. And then maybe Maybe we want to, maybe our only product is a paid newsletter, or maybe it's the, we have a newsletter that only our active members get access to. How, what do you, what are your thoughts around that? How do we do that with newsletter glue? What do you recommend? Um, okay. Wait. Can I put a bookmark on that and quickly yeah. return to why I talked about the enough.pizza to begin with? Sure. Um, so the first newsletter that I, talked about dense discovery. It's really long. It has a lot of sections. The second one I talked about was my newsletter, enough.pizza, and that's really short. And it's um, just a single link that you share. And so like, I wanted to show kind of the two extremes of the types of newsletters that do really well. Like, um, and like How often do you the publish fact that yours? you don't have uh, just once a week. Once a I week, actually so. haven't published in two or three weeks. So, um, but the, the fact is like people often get intimidated or they like try to take on too much because, you know, like, like in my case, dense discovery is my favorite newsletter. And the first instinct would be to copy that or like morning brew, for example, if you try to copy that, you'd quickly feel overwhelmed. And um, I don't think that that's the best way to start. I think the best way to start is to share one article or write one thought um, a week and share that. And if you can get, you know, a single a uh, powerful thought in under less than 200 words and send that out, people would, like, that would be a new setter that would be really well loved. Um, and it would be so much easier to do than try to create this like massive tome every week. Um, so yeah, that, that was just the thing that I wanted to talk about. Good point. Uh, 
so, so monetization yeah, let's move to yeah, yeah paid well, yeah let's say that like a paid newsletter is our only product or how do we think about that um i mean there's different different strategies with newsletters but how do we add money into the mix so there are multiple different um business models that you can do the first would be a mem- like a publishing platform for a membership site. And in, in that model, the newsletter is just one part of the content um, that paid subscribers get. And they're also getting, you know, for example, a forum where members can chat and talk about, uh, you know, in the form of a Slack group or a Discord group maybe. Um, and then they might also be getting... Uh, uh, posts on their site, restricted uh, posts on their site. So that would be one um, pretty common business model. And then can the I ask other you a business technical question here. Yes. All right. Uh, just so I can kind of get in the weeds a little bit, and I haven't tested it myself yet, but I want to. Um, just as an example, like Lifter LMS has membership functionality in it, and and we also have a Mailchimp integration. So does that mean that like if I use Lifter and you can make courses and stuff, but maybe my members also get exclusive blog content that is restricted by the membership and the, the membership is kept in sync on MailChimp based on the Lifter MailChimp integration. So with newsletter glue, could my members like they're, they're in the right, they're in the right MailChimp list or whatever. Could they get like the new blog post by email? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> cool. I know that was a long <laughs> way, but it's, uh, that's awesome. That is super cool. And to have that kind of auto, you're saying it's kind of automated where if I make a members only post and I, I can just check a box and newsletter glue is going to ship it. Wow. Yeah. I love that idea. Love that. <laughs> Save so much time. Yeah, so, yeah, it really does. Right. Like that's, yeah. so that's actually, um, the beauty of writing in WordPress. Right, that's that's exactly the thing that I talked about at the beginning. Like it halves your publishing time because you don't have to redo everything in Mailchimp. Like all your restriction, your membership stuff is all set up already in WordPress, and you don't have to redo all of that uh, again. Um, yeah, so like that's something that I'm also super excited about. Wow, that's cool. Um, what about for and, and I guess for list building, if you just have a blog and it's more just public. SEO content and just content marketing, same thing. You can just, but in this case, maybe we want to use the subscribe form from Newsletter Glue, get people on the list, and then just automate the blog post delivery in a nice, beautiful format. Wow, this is cool. Um, <laughs> tell us, a, I'm sure you get this question. How do you see yourself as different from a CRM when we get into things like tagging and marketing automation or whatever? Like, tell us how you, mm-hmm. I know you don't do all that and you're super focused, which I love. Like, but how do you, how do you answer that? So I think we complement CRMs really well. And that's one of the big things on my uh, roadmap this year to do, like getting more closely integrated with like Groundhog um, and like Fluent CRM uh, because like their customers are actually like always saying that we, you know, they need us um, to help them. Um, so like the difference is that we focus on the email, like newsletter building, 
whereas they focus on the segmentation and the tagging, um, like you mentioned. And so uh, basically, you know, they would, yeah, they would, I guess they would use us to build their emails and then segment accordingly and then send it out, if that makes sense. That does make sense. Um, wow, this is a, uh... This is super cool. I'm excited. I think, and, and really I'm excited <laughs> that the, the newsletter is having such a big, I don't want to say comeback because email's never been dead or whatever. It's always a thing, but I don't know what it is about this point in time, but I feel like the newsletter is just really shining right now. And I'm so happy to see a solution in WordPress. Uh, one of the challenges I know people have is like responsiveness and all this. So when you make a blog post, in WordPress, I mean, today it's easy to make the blog post adapt to any screen size or whatever. Are there any kind of best practices if we know we're going to be shipping a blog post to that's going to also be a newsletter that we want to like keep it in one column or any kind of best practices of around images or bullet lists or anything like that? So for, for the mobile care? experience, for mobile consumption, yeah. We take care of most of that stuff for you already. Um, so it's not, it's kind of like a blog theme, like the blog theme will take care of most of that stuff for you and you don't have to worry about manually changing um, or dealing with responsiveness once you've got a good theme installed. Um, so we're the same when it comes to emails. Um, but if you wanted to do more specific things, then I would say uh, it's, kind of like a continuum like depending on how you know creative and different you want to be on one hand and depend and how uh universally easy to read you want to be and so you know you can go crazy and do you know stuff that probably only people on gmail or something can see and everyone else on an older email client is just it's just going to break for them like sure you can do that um and so, you know, if you want to go there, you can even do like countdown timers on your, on your emails. And you know, that's where like all the, that's like kind of the line where fancy e-commerce e newsletters tend to head towards. Um, and then on the other end of the scale is stuff like Substack, where it's more editorial uh, newsletter style. So they focus on content and it tends to be, you know, just a well-formatted, post and so i'd say we are maybe if this is 10 and this is one we are at like six to ten like you can do everything from six to ten with us um so if you wanted to do curated posts like have a curated set of links on your newsletter and like have a table for that um, we make that super easy you just drop the link and we pull out the featured image, the header, the excerpt, and we just like put it into this beautiful table for you and like make all of that stuff easy. Um, yeah, and I guess like my advice is if you can, you should always go more to this site and less to this site um, where possible. Like that's kind of the site that you always wanna be moving towards just because having, you know, as the as a plugin builder, like I've personally had to have had to deal with uh deliver not deliverability, um like formatting, email formatting across thousands of clients and 
browser sizes and um, platforms and phone sizes and all of that. And so like having had to deal with that, I can tell you that even the simplest ones are going to break on some, you know, super random, uh, I don't know, like old phone that's also using Outlook or something mm -hmm. like that, or like Hotmail, Hotmail on a Samsung from like 2013. Um, and so if you, if you have a large subscriber list, you always want to be aiming for this so that everyone can read your emails and they're not breaking for people because that's a bad experience. Course creators are like multimedia people. How should we think about video and audio specifically? Like, let's say we have a podcast and, or we, and we have like, maybe we want to feature our new YouTube videos or something like that. Like how does, should we just link it up just with a text link in the newsletter or what happens if we have a video, like a YouTube embed and a post? Um, so in general, I would say, it depends. Some yeah. people, some people like to just link their links, and that works really well for them. Some people like to have a big button that says, you know, play video or something, um, and that works really well for them. And then others like to do a thumbnail of the of the YouTube video, and that works really well for them. So it kind of depends on kind of their style. Um, and I would personally play around with it and see what you enjoy doing and like what kind of your vibe is. Um, oh, is this one of those, us, is this one of those areas where like in the post, let's say we have the YouTube video and mm -hmm. we were like, all right, display this in the post, but in the newsletter have a button like we could. Have yeah, you that, could. Yeah, that kind of, that yeah. makes sense. So then then you could really. OK, if you want to keep your newsletter more streamlined, you can do that. I love that idea. And now I don't have to yeah. create content in two places. <laughs> exactly. Awesome. So cool. Um, so. So you can also just embed the YouTube and then we pull the, the thumbnail from the YouTube video and that goes into the newsletter. So you can do it that way if you wanted to. Um, but it just, again, it just depends on what you're trying to do, right? How about for podcasts? Um, uh, it's the same thing. So uh, Matt Medeiros actually uses us for the WP Minute. And so oh, cool. obviously like the podcast player is not going to, work in the newsletter because the player is not email optimized so it just breaks uh, understandably and so he hides the player from the email and then he substitutes that with like a um, button that says play episode at the bottom of his newsletter so like his newsletter is the show notes and oh. he just writes the show notes adds the um that play button at the end and then he sends that out um and so it's it's super easy for him as well like it makes building um sending out email notifications when your podcast is done like the same amount of effort as it takes to finish write the publish the show notes i love that i think it's important to to do newsletters to get people coming back it's easy as a creator just to assume they're going to keep coming back but um having a newsletter and a well done one people don't unsubscribe from and maybe they go through a busy season and ignore it or just archive it. And then maybe when things settle down in their life, they can start getting back into it again. I, I love this. Well, this is Leslie Sim. She's at news newsletter glue. That's at newsletterglue.com. Leslie, thanks for coming on the show. Um, any final words for the people uh, about writing newsletters or newsletter glue particularly? Uh, 
I think my best advice for writing a newsletter is to keep it simple. Um, keep it simple in terms of sections. Keep it simple in terms of what you're trying to do. Some people get tempted to, you know, they go crazy with automations and segmenting and all of that. But at the end of the day, content is the most important thing. And if you write good content and keep all the rest simple, um, it's going to help you stay more consistent. It's going to help you get better at writing the content, which is what matters. And that's going to be what helps you to grow um, and have an audience that loves you. So that would be my one thing that I would say. And since we're here and on the Lift the LMS uh, podcast live stream, um, I wanted to mention that we are super excited to integrate with Lift the LMS. And so like I spent the day trying to figure out like where we can integrate and how that would work. Um, but if people have ideas or like things that they want to have integrated, um, letting me know would be really helpful as well so that I can build something that people really want. Awesome. Well, thanks for that, Leslie. Um, I really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on the show and head on over to newsletterglue.com. We'll have to do this again sometime. Thanks. Thanks so much, Chris. And that's a wrap for this episode of LMS Cast. Did you enjoy that episode? Tell your friends and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And I've got a gift for you over at lifterlms.com forward slash gift. Go to lifterlms.com forward slash gift. Keep learning, keep taking action, and I'll see you in the next episode.